You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. It's been a beautiful Easter weekend. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you were at the open days on Friday or you've been racing or if you've just been spending time with the family. Great to have you back on board. Uh, we'll be hearing from Lee very shortly. He's my guest today. Also later in the programme, we'll be talking to William Knight about a possible 2,000 guineas contender and also to owner Mike Greck, who struck in the Grade 1 at Ferry House yesterday. But the first news we need to take stock of this morning is that Constitution Hill will not line up at Punchestown against Honeysuckle and his trainer, Nicky Henderson, is on the line with me now. Uh, Nicky, what's uh, what's the story? What are you thinking? We've been humming and ahhing for a good fortnight now. Um, it was very tempting, but Michael killed us down over the weekend. And I think, you know, we had him all prepped up for Cheltenham and that was good. But bear in mind, he's a big, quite raw still, five-year-old. Um, he's only had three races in his life. His future is so big. But he, I... I Believe it or not, I think he can be a better horse. He can be a more built-up and stronger horse in a year's time. I'd just rather finish on a good note with it, you know, with everything in front of him. We've, there's all the time in the world to meet Honeysuckle, and I think and hopefully it'll, it'll be in March. Um, uh, he will definitely stay over hurdles. Um, and we'll just take it gently until, well, not gently, you know, you can have a proper campaign next season. But it was, you know, to go over there and do this against the, you know, what is undoubtedly a very, very good mare. Um, just as much as we're frightened of her, of just doing something that wasn't really in Constitution's interest and, and, and to his benefit. And I think the field is and a nice summer out is going to be a, a, a more benefit and try and build up this frame a little bit more and have a sort of mature, stronger horse next year, which I'm no doubt we will be the case. And so we've reluctantly um, been, we've de- declined all the temptations. <laughs> um, and um, it's quite possible Epitom would run. She's going to go over there. There is a mare's two and a half mile hurdle so she will go marie's rock will run in that anyway but epitant could go either way yet so you could i mean if you've got marie yeah if you've got marie's rock for the two and a half I, surely you'd like another crack at honeysuckle with epitant there wasn't that you much would, between them at Cheltenham. that'd be jp's decision um we'll be talking about that later do you know what i mean we'll see which way well, he wants to go here's an interesting question for you if it if, say, Constitution Hill, you've really got him fired up and tuned up for Cheltenham and that that was his peak and it's unlikely you can peak a horse like that twice in a short space of time, is it possible that Epperton got better from Cheltenham to entry? And is it possible that she's only now just starting to come to herself? That is possible. And don't forget, she ran a very, very good race at Cheltenham. I mean, she was slaughtered by Honeysuckle last year. We were half a length down at the last when she made... Quite a significant mistake. Now, no way am I saying 
if she hadn't made that mistake, she would have beaten Honeysuckle. But the, it wasn't going to be the 20 lengths it was the year before. Um, we were not very far behind, and she did make a complete hash of the last, unfortunately. Um, just news on a, on a, a Cheltenham hero of, of, of old, Pentland Hills. He's not that old, in fact. You're limbering up for a flats campaign with him. Where might it start? Well, we were thinking about Cashwick on Wednesday. I'm actually going to switch him to, I would have thought, Goodwood at the end of next week. Uh, just thought, actually, the plan is to go over fences with him because he's such a good jumper. But I just thought one spin on the flat would probably do him good because <laughs> he's rated 151 over hurdles, but he still runs off his old flat rating, which is 70. So it, it, it is quite tempting. So the plan would probably get a Goodwood at the end of next week. All right, then. So Constitution Hill and Honeysuckle, the match will not take place at Punchestown. I think it would have been a surprise Racing Post senior writer Lee Moss has had, had it gone the other way. But still, I think we can feel entitled to be a little bit disappointed, um, can't we? I think we can certainly feel entitled to be disappointed as racing fans, Nick, who love to see the best horses racing against each other. However, I do think this is very different to some of those previous occasions we've had where there's been um, understandable uh, disappointment and to a degree anger where Nicky um, hasn't run one of his good horses. We had that situation, of course, with Shishkin this winter. We've had it in the past with, with Altior. And I think there have been question marks about his enthusiasm for running uh, his best horses on occasions. Now, Nicky would dispute that. And I think certainly with, with Shishkin this winter, um, he had a very good reason for not running the horse at Sandown in December, and that was borne out. I think this is different. I think here we have a horse in Constitution Hill who looks hugely exciting. I mean, he is, he's, been compared, he's been compared to Golden Signet, who, of course, was the, the outstanding novice hurdler of that golden era of hurdling, who sadly lost his life on his very next start after winning the Supreme at the Scottish champion hurdle. He's been compared... To that horse on the figures, he could well be in that sort of class. It would have been great to see him take on Honeysuckle, but he's a novice. He's a novice who's had one, two, three runs over hurdles. I think it would have been a big ask to take on Honeysuckle at Punchestown. I think what happened at Cheltenham is that the owner, Michael Buckley, quite understandably, was on an absolute high. He was incredibly excited. He was overjoyed. And he spoke like an overjoyed, excited man yeah. would do that. Wouldn't it be great if we took on Honeysuckle? And he's entitled to do that. He's the owner. He was thrilled. Why shouldn't he say what he wants to say? Ultimately, I think the owner is sensible in taking guidance from the man who you pay to train the horse and you pay to give guidance as to how best to plot that horse's career. Um, I think it would have been a, a Brucey bonus, if you like, Nick, to see this horse taking a honey circle in his novice season. But I feel no resentment whatsoever to the, the Seven Barrows camp or to Michael Buckley that it won't happen in April. I will be hugely excited all through the summer about the possibility of it happening at March in March at Cheltenham next year. I suspect that being reasonable about this is not what is demanded by a, by a large section of our <laughs> listeners and correspondents. They want you to be outraged. They, well, they want you to yeah. rail. They want you well, to rail against the, the anti-competitiveness of it. I mean, I think the interesting point is <clears throat> what Nico de Boinville said after Chelan, which is that, yeah, he could probably turn up and, and he might win at Punchestown if he's that much better. 
but it's very unlikely that he'd be able to produce two absolute peak lights out performances back to back this early in his career. That was his assessment. And I suppose yeah. with that in mind, if you'd, if you'd wanted to do it, Michael Buckley was talking about it before Cheltenham on my Sunday show, and I kind of got to take a bit of the blame for this, for egging him on, <laughs> and loving the idea, and why wouldn't you? But if it's your ultimate goal to defeat Honeysuckle at Punchestown, and I think that would have to be an ultimate goal for a season for a novice, then you're going to have to go to Cheltenham, I think, leaving a bit left in the tank. And it, really, it's only those closest to him who know how much is left in the tank for this season Bearing in mind, he was only winning an Irish point-to-point, you know, at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's, I think that's very fair as well, um, Nick. Even Woody Mullins made this point after Galapande Sean won um, yesterday at Fairy House that the horse would have had a hugely hard race at Cheltenham, even though he dotted up. Um, it, you know, he looked like he was about to win by half the track. If you win a race as Constitution Hill won a race at Cheltenham by a massive margin even if you're not getting five smacks from the final flight you're almost certainly having an extremely hard time um, that day and I think that would have been in the back of his mind um, he took Sprinter Sacra to, to punch his town after the horse had, had won his champion chase in imperious um, fashion and I think he believes or he, he, he I think he, in the back of his mind was that a was was that a great idea? Did that extra mission leave a mark on the horse? He doesn't want to in any way leave a mark on, on such an exceptional young talent at this stage of the horse's career. So I, let's say, like others, I have been frustrated on occasions uh, when we've been looking towards big winter horse races where we haven't had the matchups that we wanted. Um, and I could understand why anyone connected to the Punchestown Festival, anyone connected to selling the Punchestown Festival is frustrated because uh, they're not getting up Plutard because he will it goes into, he's gone into to winter quarters, uh, into summer quarters. Gallopin the Shaw had his race at Fairy House. This would have been the big headline race of the Punchestown Festival, Honeysuckle versus Constitution Hill. I can see why anyone connected to that festival or selling that festival is disappointed. But I don't think it's one that we could have expected to happen. <laughs> and I think it's perfectly reasonable for Nicky Henderson on this occasion to play the cautious card. Yeah, talking of, uh, talking of festivals, five-day festivals and, ah. general, and general outrage... We can, raise, we can raise the outrage level up a notch now, Lee, can't we? With the, we, with the news that Cheltenham yeah. are opening a quote-unquote formal consultation period into not just whether it's going to be five days. Ian Renton was keen to stress yesterday on both the Sunday shows, mine and uh, Matt and Sean on the, on the other side. Uh, he, he was saying this is a consultation on the whole of the Cheltenham Festival. Now, clearly, it's all about whether we go five days or not, isn't it? Well, I think that is certainly the the main issue at hand. It's an interesting one. Well, it's a fascinating one, Nick. It's particularly fascinating because I think it's pretty clear to me that there must be significant elements within the jockey club um, and within Cheltenham who believe five days is a good idea. You don't consult on something that you think is a bad idea. You know, nobody's con the jockey club aren't consulting about the idea of staging the derby on a Monday. You know, you you don't you don't ask for a people's opinion on something that you inherently think wouldn't be a positive step. So I think the jockey club 
that certainly significant elements within Jockey Club, not all of them by any means, because you won't have um, you won't have unanimous opinion on on, on, on this one because it's such a hot topic. But enough of them, I think, feel this is what they want to do. Now, I wonder if what they actually really want to do, if I'm sure what they really want to do, is extend the festival into a Saturday, because I think there is a uh, a swathe of opinion within the Jockey Club and within parts of Cheltenham that feels that there is a new audience there that hasn't yet connected with the Cheltenham Festival and they want to get that newer, younger, potentially new long-term young audience for Cheltenham Festival and potentially for horse racing as well. That's what they want. They want the Saturday audience, but they don't feel that they can go from Wednesday to Saturday because commercially, any festival that's, that goes into a Saturday, the race course finds it much, much harder to sell hospitality than on a midweek afternoon. And the hospitality that they do sell is at a much lower margin than it would be on a Tuesday. So they want to go Tuesday through to Saturday because they don't want to lose the Tuesday corporate hospitality market. My argument would be, Nick, I think five days is a is a bad idea even if you have only two extra races you're giving the paying public less for their money even if you're charging them less as well it's a poor experience very few festivals these days have only six races every day i think that's a rotten situation to have a six race card at the Cheltenham festival in the future i think if they really feel that saturday is the way forward they have to be prepared to take short-term pain in terms of that loss of the tuesday corporate revenue for the for the long-term gain that they feel would, would come from having a Saturday at the Cheltenham Festival. Okay, Lee, this is my issue at the moment. And I am far from the most ardent opponent of the, a five-day festival. If somebody can yeah. convince me it's a good idea, I'm here to be convinced. The problem is yeah. I don't have any data and I don't have anything, that any meaningful projection telling me why there should be one from people who know people who are much closer to it than I am. I'd like to see the figures. I'd like to see the projected profits. I would like to see a, a proposed race program. I can't disagree with something when I don't know what it is. And I can't back something when I don't really know what it is. I, I think this is a little bit like asking voters to go to the polling booths without giving them a manifesto first. I think they need to set out, they need to be a little bit ballsier. I think, I think that if there is a feeling within uh, Cheltenham, right, we want five days, say, right, we, we propose an idea for five days. We're quite enthusiastic about this. These are the reasons why. And this is what we, what we would propose to deliver you. Then ask people their opinion. I think, again, I think, you're absolutely, I think you're absolutely right, Nick. I think this, to an extent, is horse racing's Brexit. So many people going for the Brexit vote, so we don't really know what we're voting for here. It's, it's quite a woolly, it's quite a woolly uh, loose concept that we don't really understand the absolute details of, of what we're going to get. Now, I'm going to put Brexit to one side now because that's a hot topic. This, this for racing, is a, is a hotter topic, arguably. But I think, I think you're right. And I think Robert Whaley-Cohen, the former Cheltenham chairman, on your Sunday racing TV program, look on Sunday. I think he was making that point that we don't really know at the minute what we're being asked to give opinions on. It's a very loose concept. And Robert made the point as well that I have heard before um, that you can't guarantee that five days would be a commercial success, partly because of those points I made earlier on, Nick, about the corporate hospitality market, um, but also because you can't guarantee that you will get a whole set of new paying customers on the on the fifth day it might be that people 
who would have gone on the Tuesday go on the Saturday. It might be that people who would have taken that corporate hospitality box on the Tuesday think, well, if Cheltenham is selling that for 50, 70% of its normal price on the Saturday, we'll actually do the Saturday instead. So commercially, you can't guarantee it's going to be a, a success. And I think there is an extent to which there is a slight disingenuousness about this whole process in the in that as i said i think there has to be a degree of enthusiasm within the jockey club for this to happen otherwise they wouldn't have started the process so i think we should be hearing from those elements of the jockey club as to why they think this would be a good idea so at least we can then say okay on the one hand we have points one, two, three, and four that have been set out by Sandy Dudgeon or Nevin Truesdale or Ian Renton that they think a, a five-day festival ending on a Saturday is good for this reason, that reason, that reason. And then against that, our view is it's bad because of dilution, because on the Saturday uh, you're not going to have that same um, that same total uh, exposure that you would do on a midweek afternoon. The ITV was showing the Six Nations on the main channel, so the the Ryanair chase ends up on the on ITV4. I think there are lots of arguments for and against. We, we as people who feel that a five-day festival is inherently a bad idea, have been very active in laying out what we think are the arguments against it. I think the proponents of a five-day festival, and there have to be some within the Jockey Club for this process to be happening, I think they need to be coming out and saying, yeah. this is why we're consulting in the first place. Right, let's move on. <laughs> Never have I been more pleased to say yes. let's move on. <laughs> I mean, talk about, you're supposed to be getting excited about the best of the flat season or Pudgestown and everything, and in it comes and it, again. Th- yeah, and the flat is getting good as well. It's getting really, really good. We've got some really good stuff yeah. at Sandown uh, on Friday, then Epsom Tuesday, uh, then into uh, the Guineas weekend the, the following week. But what we've just had is a, a series of classic trials where big-name horses have stepped up to the plate and they've delivered, which is great. Sets up a fantastic Guineas. Lee, I'll be quick on this. Your idea of the 2000 Guineas winner at this stage is? Luxembourg. Go on. Um, listen, I, I love Native Trail. I thought he was tremendously impressive in the, in the Craven Stakes. I just thought watching Luxembourg last season at the Curragh, probably the Curragh more so than Doncaster, that there could just be something extra special about him. And I've often made the point that for all the amazing horses that Aidan O'Brien has trained, he's never actually yet trained an all-time great flat race horse. He's never had a, a horse of Dancing Brave, of Shergar, of Frankel proportions. They bought, he's had some stunning race horses, but none of the very, very greatest. And I just wonder if Luxembourg has the potential wow. to, 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 not to be a Frankel or a Shergar or a Dancing Brave, but to, 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 to move to the top of the the Ballydor crop. Whenever I sort of speak to people connected to Ballydor, I get the sense that they genuinely think he might. Now, this this will probably look completely stupid, Nick, in two, three, four weeks' time, even after Epsom potentially. But I I loved him last season. And the fact that I am prepared to tip him at this stage over Native Trail, who I love as well, and horses like Caribus, in what looks a, a stacked 2,000 guineas. For, for me, Luxembourg is is the one that I'm most excited about still. Okay, Luxembourg for Aidan O'Brien to win an 18th Newmarket Classic. What about 
Tenebrism to win a 19th, or do you prefer in spiral for John Gosden to win just a second Newmarket Classic? Well, I have to say, Nick, as is often the case at this stage, the 1,000 guineas, I think, looks less inspiring um, than the 1,000, the 2,000 guineas. Um, in spiral um, was evidently a really solid, smart uh, two-year-old last season, and it would be nice to see uh, the, the jumps operation that is Chubby Park stud um, having a decent flat horse um, in Inspiral because they, they've probably forgotten about flat racing now. They're so good at jump racing. Um, I think Tenebrism, the way she finished off in the Chubby Park last season was uh, hugely encouraging, but I'm actually, I, I would take a chance on Zeli, uh, the Marcel Boussac winner for Andre Farb last season i thought she wasn't given a hard time at all in the pre prudence uh, on her seasonal reappearance at the minute to say there's not one filly that jumps out at me in the 1000 guineas that being the case i think the 12 to 1 about zelly is probably perfectly fair for the uh, the 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 new old combo of andre farb and olivier pellier who seems to be uh, a force again combined this season yep about 140 years old between them aren't they <laughs> andre <laughs> Andre oh, Farber and Olivier Pellier. That's good stuff, that. Well, no doubt the most striking performance for me uh, over the weekend came at Newcastle, fairly early doors, in the Burden Stakes, a listed race. It was won by a horse called Check and Challenge. He's now two for two and is trained by Newmarket trainer William Knight, uh, who's with me now. The horse has a 2,000 guineas entry. And judging on what he did just before the weekend, William, it, it doesn't look fanciful. What are you thinking? Well, I think we, we, we've decided we'll... We'll, we'll head for it. Um, I think uh, it, and then before he went up there, um, we were we sort of felt that he had to go and um, win the race or at least run very well in it to warrant having a crack at the guineas. And uh, as you say, there's only one guineas. He's gone up there and won it very with authority. Um, and you know, I think he's come out of the race well, and all roads lead to to, to, to to the Guineas now. You know, obviously we're you know we're probably a 20, 20, 20 to one shot in it, but there's only one Guineas, and um, you know I think we'll go there with a horse who could with with, with un, untapped potential. So it's exciting for for everyone at home. I mean, just to put a bit of context on this, the second horse to buy poets rated one hundred and four. You've beaten him on the bridle by a couple of lengths. Imperial Fighter had all that form last season with the really good. Uh, juveniles like Luxembourg and, and Caribus and Dark Moon rising back and forth already rated 100. So do you believe, do you believe that? Do you, are you prepared to believe a literal interpretation of that judged on what you know of the horse? Yeah, well, I suppose you say that, that going into it, when you win first time out as a two-year-old, you put him away for the year, you know, he'd been doing work in the, in, in the spring here, in the early part of the year and he'd been going nicely, but you never really test them at home it's not until you get to the track you know you you sort of really know what you've got and yes as you say you know whether the Andrew boarding horses um mark is slightly inflated potentially but you know he's still gone there and 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 put the race to bed very quickly and sort of almost won it learning on the job um so i I think it's more the case of the improvement still in my lab than than what he's sort of beaten i still think you know we really haven't got to the bottom of him yet so that's what's so exciting he's from a lovely me and valley stud family it's a it's a, a fabulous page in the in the stud book he's by fast company who tends to do very well with the mares that that he's had over the years uh, is he a horse that you thought was very good before you even ran him 
Yeah, he was he was definitely my pick last year in, in, in the spring of last year. Um, he actually got a little setback in the spring, and that's why he didn't run till the second half of the season. Um, but yes, and, and actually, maybe that was a blessing for him because it just gave him that time to mature like a lot of those Mion Valley families do. Um, but yeah, he's out of a Dalakani mare. You know, he would get the mile well, and, you know, he might even get a little bit further in time. But uh um, yeah, he was always been sort of the apple of my eye early on, early on last year. And the owner, Mr. Heatherton, am I right in saying that he was with you when you were down in Sussex as well? Yeah, Andrew moved up with me. We've had a couple of nice horses where Andrew had a nice horse called Progressive uh, Rating, who we actually saw to Hong Kong, um, a baited breath call. So he's been a lucky owner for us, big supporter of the yard and uh, lovely to, you know, for him and very exciting for him to have a runner in the Guineas. Uh, and I'm guessing he's he's resisted the offers that have clearly already come in because there isn't a horse that wins a race in Britain now without a, without a cheque being waived. Well, there, yeah, there is an issue at the moment. Well, not the issue, but it's a nice issue to have. But yes, we, as you can imagine, there's lots of people trying to to, to buy into him, buy in, buy into him. Um, and uh, it's just a case of which you know, I've got to have a sit down, have a conversation with the owner today about it all. Um, but uh, it's yeah, it's it's hard because you know <laughs> the money sort of being offered for these sort of horses are very hard you know prices to turn down but um at the same time there's only one guineas and uh you know andrew you know this is what you this is what you uh you wait for for horses like this and if you sell them all all the time then you, you know what's the point of going into the game so it's it's uh it's a very hard decision um as i say the owner has sold well to before and whether he decides to keep this lad for the time being it will be his decision um, and uh, I think all I can say is that he'll definitely be running in the guineas here anyway that's for sure and in the spirit of brotherly love I want to give a, a mention to the, the person who sourced this horse for you yeah Richard he's look, Richard works very hard at the sales um, he is he's got a good eye for a horse um, he works hard um, and yeah he, he bought this horse we bought him together but he was very much um, a horse Richard recommended to me and wanted me to buy so fortunately you know he wasn't over expensive in the whole grand scheme of things he was 30, 30, I think 35,000 yearlings so you know that's the art we can all go and buy 300,000 pound horses but finding the, the, the slightly cheaper ones good ones you know that's the hard part and you know Richard works very hard at all the sales and uh, you know it's um, no, exciting for both of us to, to do it together yeah, I'm I'm very biased because he 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 bought my twenty to one winner last week as well. So he's <laughs> he's done he's done us all a turn. Uh, and I I wanted to ask about dear old Sabuska who ran an incredible race in Dubai. Maybe arguably a little unlucky not to finish a little closer. You you've got him in a couple of places quite soon. Where's he likely to appear? Yeah, he'll go to Ascot next Wednesday. All being well, um, very tempted to to put him in the uh, race at Sandown on Friday, the Group Two. Only nine runners, I think it is. But um, I, I think he likes Ascot. Um, he'll go there in great form. He's come back from Dubai, looking fantastic, fresh as anything. So he goes to Ascot with the view then to go to Royal Ascot. Um, and uh, yeah, but he looks great. And uh, he, he did it. Yeah, I think he won over one hundred fifty thousand sterling over in Dubai in his trip out there, and he loved it out there. And the owners all had fun. So yeah, it was a good, a good, a good exercise, and definitely something we'll aim to do next year, I'm sure. Trainer William Knight there, who's rolling the big dice with check and challenge en route to the two thousand guineas.
Well, time now for our monthly check-in with the team who are current trainees on the Godolphin Flying Start, still in Kentucky. And today we're saying hello to Jessica Dorr, who's from the UK. And now, Jessica, pretty firmly ensconced in Kentucky. Is it being a little bit kinder to you weather-wise now? It is, absolutely. It's starting to warm up a little bit. It can be a little bit um, sort of unpredictable. We get a bit of a storm and then suddenly it's sunshine next minute. But no, definitely warming up a bit. And pretty unforgiving when you're doing all the stud work in the, in the small hours of the morning. How have you found the experience? Because I know you went into this course wanting to be a, a trainer. How have you enjoyed the, the stud side of it? Really enjoyed it. It's been completely kind of different for me just to get that different side of it. I've never done folding before. So to get that under my belt um, has been great just to see the different sides of it. You're kind of going into it aware of the expectations on you. Um, it's been great, the kind of the breadth that you cover while you're on it. Um, you're kind of doing legal and finance one minute to then folding at night. So it's nice to get that real overview of the industry. And has it changed your mind about your own aspirations? No, if anything, it's kind of strengthened it a little bit more. Um, I want to do it when I'm ready. Um, and I want to do it when I've got the kind of real experience under my belt. I'd like to think kind of another five years after finishing that and then be an assistant for in that time period. And which part of the, the course are you most looking forward to from now? Um, definitely starting my externship out here in America. I think that's the next thing on the cards. It's been confirmed that I'm going to be based at Keeneland with Brad Cox. Um, so that'd be very exciting. Fantastic. Brad Cox, yeah, the Eclipse Award-winning trainer. Again, he's on the Derby Trail. And I gather he's going to be the star attraction on your, on your next podcast. He is indeed, which uh, we're going to really get released tomorrow. Um, and we're doing a bit of a Derby theme for that. So, yeah, it should be very interesting. Podcasts are becoming kind of bigger and bigger. Um, and I think it's really important to get that experience for everyone. So it's just the Flying Start podcast. Um, and it's available from Spotify and Apple Music and most of the places that you can get your podcast from. Now, keeping our eyes everywhere over the course of the weekend, and we've been keeping an eye on all the action at Fairy House as well. Of course, it's the Irish Grand National today. One man who will head to Fairy House with a, an added spring in his step is owner Claudio Michael Grech, who won yesterday with Brandy Love in the Irish Stallion Farms EBF Mayor's Novices Hurdle. Uh, Mike, always good to talk to you on the pod, particularly when you've had a, a winner on the bridle by eight lengths beating a Cheltenham Festival filly in Love Envoy. Uh, but this was poetic justice, I think, for your team, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, morning, Nick. Uh, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. It was, it was amazing. You know, um, talk about different kind of uh, emotions, you know, four weeks ago. Um, I got a phone call on the Thursday uh, of the of the, the morning of the race at Cheltenham. Really fancy Brandy Love at Cheltenham, and uh, and Willie contacted me and said, "Look, we've got a slight problem. She's got an abscess in a, in a hoof, and uh, you know, from from expectation to de- deflation, uh, it was it was oh, it was incredible. But yesterday, it could have been a blessing in disguise because the rain came. She was a fresh horse, and I really fancied her, Nick. I just thought that." Um, what she did at Fairy House when she when she jumped erratically to the left, um, and and to get so close, you know, to winning that race, I just thought this 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 horse is special. This horse has got an incredible engine, and I really fancied her yesterday. When the rain came, I was pleased because I thought, right, okay, that that that, that that's now gone to yielding, and and she can get her hoof in, and uh, and I think she will beat uh, Love and uh, Love Envoy. 
and beat her she did and beat her handsomely, admittedly in her own backyard. Now, the trainer afterwards, interestingly, Mike said, let's see what the owner wants to do, whether he wants to keep her in training or breed from her. What's the answer? Um, I don't know yet. It's, it's, it, I read that myself. I didn't really discuss that with Willie. I just said I'm going into the breeding. Uh, I'm going to start breeding my own horses. Obviously, I've got a nice mare here, uh, uh, now a grade one. Um, I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to speak to Hen, and 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 I'm a bit, I'm a bit kind of. Um, I think she's. I think she's. You know. Um, I think she's a very young horse. So let's just see. You know, it's an interesting statement that Willie's made there. So. Uh, I'm a little bit of a surprise with, with it, but um, I don't know the answer. Is is I want to go again, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. But uh, let, let's let's just see what happens. Yeah, she's a, she's she deserves a senior season, doesn't she? One hundred percent. You know, she's only run twice this year. You know, she, um, so you know, there's she, she's only uh, I think she's five or six. So yeah, uh, I, I don't think I'll be going breeding with her just yet. But we've we've now got a you know black type grade one winner. So. Uh, so, so it all bodes well for the future. And you're off to Ferry House again, Mike, with Fleur and I am Fortunata. Now, we've talked about the Fortunata connection before, something very, very close to your heart indeed, um, yes. named after your, your mother. And, right. um, and she's going to run in the, or I am Fortunata, is going to run, the, the gelding, in fact, is going to run in the concluding bumper. Uh, he yes. made a real impression at Thurlis on his debut. Does Gordon fancy him? Well, we, we do. I mean, it's, I think, we're, you know, the range come at, at the right time. Uh, it's going to be interesting to find out what, what, the, what the official going is. I think he's going to stay yielding. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've got Rob James as well. <laughs> so, you know, claiming seven pounds, I mean, he's a, he's a, I think he's a special talent, this, this jockey. And I think the horse is, uh, is very special too. So it's going to be a good race. We've got the favourite to beat. Um, but I'm not going there with... Uh, yeah, I don't feel afraid of the favourite. I think we've got a special one on our hands. And if he uh, if he delivers the way uh, you know, he, he did at Thurless, uh, who knows what could happen there, Nick. And it's not impossible. You, you, we, we ought to have been having this conversation tomorrow because Fleur lost a shoe at Cheltenham and nothing really went right for him. But he was favourite for the race that Corrick Rambler won. Um, is he the forgotten horse in the Irish National? Well, the the, the, the issue at Cheltenham, it's just, the ground just was too quick on the first day. You know, um, you know, the, the going was, was just not what he wanted and he lost the shoe uh, and he just, you know, it, you know, they got away from him. Um, the reins come. He's a novice jumper. Uh, he does make, he, he does, he does at times make silly mistakes when he's bang there and then, you know, he'll make a mistake and he, and he drops three or four or five lengths behind and then he, he comes again. If he jumps well, Nick, I think this horse is going to go very, very close. And I won't put anyone off if uh, if they're listening to this podcast because I think, you know, last night it was 25 to 1. It's a hell of an each way, that. hell of an each way. So, yeah, I really do fancy him today. Well, he is still, as I look at it, best price 22 to 1. So best of luck, Mike. Brilliant to see Brandy Love yesterday. You know you want to go again. Thanks so much. No worries, Nick. Thanks for the call, buddy. Take care now. Well, thanks to all my guests today. Lee Mottishead is still with me. Lee, we need to talk about the performance of Galapin Deschamps yesterday at Ferry House because we know what would have happened at Cheltenham if he'd stood up at the last fence. It was another imperious demolition job. We just want to see him in against seniors and quick now, don't we? Yeah, we do. He was, um, he was exceptional again, having been exceptional at Cheltenham until he did a, a tight cottage and fell at that final fence, the new course offence at horses almost never fall out, but he... He somehow managed to, to to tipple over very unluckily. I thought it was great yesterday. I think what is um, particularly exciting, Nick, is for the first time, 
Willie Mullins, Singson now have really embraced the idea that he's a Gold Cup horse. I remember in the Cheltenham winner's enclosure when Willie still had the that slight stunned air of a man who couldn't quite believe what had happened uh, a few minutes earlier at, at Cheltenham. He was talking at that stage as though he might be minded to think, well, could this be a two-miler? Um, and that he wouldn't mind bringing him back down in trip. And I thought at that point, maybe we've seen over two miles at Punchestown. He certainly wasn't talking about him then as um, a Gold Cup horse, but he really was after the race uh, yesterday. Um, he, he, he looks incredible, doesn't he? He jumps beautifully. Um, you might say that he does, you don't often see him getting in close and fiddling fences, but that's because he doesn't really seem to need to. He just seems to meet everything on a perfect stride and just flows over the fences. He was a bit maybe novicey at the final fence, but I don't think from what I've seen of him in, in his starts for fences so far, that jumping is particularly a negative issue at all with this horse. It's a positive. The engine is clearly there. Can't wait again for him uh, for next season. And again, Nick, just to go back to what we were talking about earlier on, there was never a clamour for Gallopin-Dachon to be taking on his seniors at the Punchestown Festival this season. He's a novice. As with Constitution Hill, we can look forward to those clashes with the seniors next season. Now, an update on, on Josh Moore, which may be out of date by the time you listen to this, but as we record at 10 o'clock, I had a message from his sister Haley saying he's awaiting surgery on his femur today, which should take place this morning. This is clearly quite complex and he's got injuries uh, to his back as well. Uh, which which need looking at, and I I, I I don't really know what to say, Lee. To be honest, can can one man have endured such ill ill fortune as a jumps jockey? I I just my heart bleeds for him. Yeah, Nick. When you when you say I, I I don't know what to say, I think I'm the same. You know, we we are paid to communicate um, and to, to 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 talk to write, but it's what can you say? I mean, what can you say? I mean, Josh has had such desperate bad luck um, through his career. So not long back from a horribly serious back injury. Um, he was getting his his career going again. He is such a nice guy as well. I mean, listen, you, you, you wouldn't wish the, the injuries he's had on a, on, a, on a foul person, but he's just the opposite. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a decent, really decent guy, incredibly likeable. Uh, incredibly friendly. The last person in the world that you'd want to see this happening to. Uh, your heart, as you say, your heart goes out to him. I hope um, he can have the surgery ASAP and that it's a smooth recovery and that he comes back. And it's probably very little consolation at the moment. But I, I hope he realises that he's hugely popular and that people really want him to have some good luck in the future and to be back doing his his day job, a job he's extremely good at as well. So fingers crossed that Josh can make a, as quick a recovery as one can from such a bad injury. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Lee, that's it for today. Um, but have you got a, a tip for me, perhaps in this afternoon's Irish National? Yeah, so five o'clock, Bowl Sports Irish Grand National, Nick. Um, now, I, I, I think I gave seven. I, I had seven horses I backed in the Grand National at Aintree. Hmm. It didn't do me a lot of good, truth be told. So I've limited it to two in the Irish Grand National. My, my sort of um, my daft one at a big price is off you go. Uh, Aidan Coleman's going over to ride him, a dual winner of what used to be in the very old days, the Irish Freaks Hurdle at Leopardstown. He ran sixth in the race last season. I think he could go close, but I do think, although he's carrying a weight 
that is not the sort of way that Irish Grand National winners have carried in the last few decades. That Galliard de Menil is potentially well handicapped of 154. I'm sure he's been waiting for a, a proper staying trip. He ran a decent race in the Brown Advisory behind Long Presse at Cheltenham. And even with 11 stone 8, I think he's a very worthy favourite. So Galliard de Menil, boring, but I'm pretty bullish about his chances in the Irish Grand National. Yeah, no one's going to shout boring at you when you go to the windows to collect. Lee, thank you very much. That was Easter Monday. I hope you've had a terrific weekend. We'll be back to do it again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.